welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, hey, another great show dealing with uh, science and metaphysics and some elements, I would say, certainly of the season. Uh, Tonight we're going to do the science of the spiritual festivals. Now, some people don't know what spiritual festivals are, at least in terms of ageless wisdom, but that's kind of why I'm doing this show, so that we we can have a better understanding of that. Now, I've done shows about spiritual festivals before, but not about the science. Science is really a way of understanding the structure and concepts uh, of why something is the way it is, and in some cases also how it might work. The uh, difference between that and the past shows I've done is those were mostly based on demystifying some mystical uh, approaches to teaching about the festival, which is fine, because that's important for people to un- understand what the festivals mean in their purely, we'll call it, spiritual uh, meaning. But uh, tonight we'll have some of that in there, but it will be more about how come this is the way it is. Why, why do we use this methodology? And what is it that it's doing? And uh, has there been any changes in that? And the answer is, to begin with, yes, big changes have taken place. Most people from mystical readings think that the festivals are consistently the same forever. You know, it's like, well, they wrote it down; it must be the same. You know, and uh, that was true actually for a long time. I mean, they, they would, one would have assumed uh, thousands of years ago that these these times would be like that for a very long time, and actually they were. But in the last, uh, well. For sure, the last quarter century, the the festivals have been changing, and that has uh, an important relevance uh, on a lot of factors. But before I talk about those changes, I think we need to know what are we talking about, right? Well, these festivals have to do with the way that energy is uh, handled or transmitted by the kingdoms ahead, above human. They. Uh, generally uh, allow a lot of energies that are directed towards our planet to uh, to freely flow, as they say, and to not really be um, modified in any specific way. Uh, generally speaking, there is a kind of exception to the rule I just said. The first ray is normally, uh, is normally attenuated, which means reduced, uh, from the general vicinity of our planet. Now, there's a reason for that. The first ray is the part that creates things, but it also can be used destructively. And when we talk about destroying things, it is the first ray that's involved. Well, Earth doesn't need more destruction. <laughs> we've got we've got enough going on. We've got the dark side uh, playing uh, playing at us almost uh, daily, trying to destroy something on planet Earth. And certainly in any long-run approach, they have uh, plans for destruction. So the first rate is not a welcomed uh, attribute, or uh, that probably isn't the best way to put it. It isn't a welcomed uh, focus on Earth that um, would make it uh, helpful in most circumstances. So rarely is the first rate even allowed to focus on the planet in terms of stimulating the senses. Uh, the growth of senses and the, and the development of them. That's like a rare event. It's maybe done 
once or twice of a millennium for a short period of time, like 50 years. And the reason for that is, again, uh, the dark side takes a lot more, uh, we'll say, advantage of it than uh, than the rest of the planet would find welcome. And so it's better to keep that low. But even so, there's a certain time of the year, which we are coming on quickly, where the first ray uh, does uh, actually uh, make more of a difference. And so there are usually, unless there's some terrible things happening on planet Earth at the time, uh, some, uh, we'll say, uh, increase in the intensity of the ray during the full moon period of uh, when the full moon is in Aries, uh, and it's during this time of year. So it, when it's in Aries and it's in this time of year, of course, that that takes place, then you have this uh, this change to the way that uh, the energy on Earth is handled. And so the first ray is accentuated, uh, meaning the crown chakra. And this first festival is about that. It's about the development of the highest spiritual sense, which is how to create more of our creator uh, in this world. And uh, people who choose to match the same kind of thinking that is used to uh, change this ray's intensity uh, then uh, are able to find their own spirit sphere within, this is a little complicated, within the chakra, the crown chakra, to uh, work better. So you actually have more consciousness in this chakra that is sensing uh, God and how to co-create with God. And so it is a, uh, and that's this time of year, and it's coming up with the full moon right now. So this is the reason I'm talking about it, because it's, <laughs> it's happening right now. And uh, generally speaking, the best time to start doing this is a couple days before the uh, full moon. Now, why? Because human beings, as much as uh, we would like to think we are capable of doing whatever we think of, have trouble really getting focus, especially through the crown chakra. Uh, it takes advanced initiates to usually use that chakra for more than a few seconds or minutes at a time. And so to try to get yourself moving in the direction of this thought, uh, spending a couple days beforehand gets you close to the time when the peak of it is and when the other side is going to focus their thought. So this is kind of the way to do it. Now, some people claim that the other side is focusing their thought during the whole five-day period, uh, kind of, yes. There, there is some of that going on too, but it's dramatically intense for an hour or two right around the full moon. Uh, now, people, some people say, "Well, it's in the middle of the night, or this or that." And I don't want to be. A, well, yeah, I understand that, and you don't necessarily have to do that. But to get a better, if you can do it right at the time the full moon is in your particular time zone, uh, then that's when you're going to get the best effect. Now, the other issue to remember is that we do have segregated time factors here. So for that reason, this effect has a window. It isn't just a specific point, although there are certain things that do happen at a specific point, but that location is no longer 
as it used to be in the country of Tibet, which which doesn't really exist anymore. It's a province of China, Red China, and it's about as dark as some really bad places now. And certainly, this isn't going on in that general area. And a lot of people still think there's something mystical about that place, but unfortunately, that's not true any longer. So uh, there is a location, theoretically, that we could point to, but um, that's secret. So at this stage, the best thing to realize is that if you do this five-day approach, you're going to get closest to the whole to the whole ball game. You may not know the exact moment because that is now. You can't go to a map and say it's going to be at this time because you won't be able to figure out where it's really going to be. Also, there's um, some question about how it's being done today. Uh, I know something about that, which I'm not going to tell you, uh, because I don't want to give this stuff away to the dark side. <laughs> they don't know, I don't think. So at any rate, uh, but there is some more specifics about how and when this occurs with the next uh, two kingdoms. Now, the two kingdoms above us are the the kingdom of souls. That's the one right above us. And those are all uh, what are called liberated souls, the souls that exist in the Buddhic realm. And then the next kingdom are souls of sorts that are much more fused with their solar angel, the two connected together, and somewhat with the, their monad. And that is in the Atmic uh, realm. You know, it's Nirvana, some people call it. And in that particular realm, you find the um, uh, the upper part of what is called spiritual hierarchy of the planet, and that's the planetary kingdom. That's the kingdom responsible for the whole planet. And you might say, well, what's the what's that lower kingdom, this, the, the, of the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of souls? What are they responsible for? Well, they're responsible for souls. Okay, not just our souls, and not just uh, their souls, but the souls of group souls uh, of everything. So they're they're responsible for all souls, which is very important, by the way. And uh, that's that's their kingdom. That's what they deal with. They're the top of that kingdom. They 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 are the head of it. We are not the head of it. We're in this kind of in between. And uh, our souls are not liberated. They are kind of stuck in one little tiny place. Uh, the fourth sub-sub-plane of the second sub-plane, for those of you who really have to know. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay. It's just it's an upper part of the mental world where concepts are about uh, helping other people to become wise givers. That's what it's about. And so it's all about that kind of stuff. And it's also about trying to work with both of the spiritual chakras, which is the heart chakra, which is an understanding of our Creator, of God. And then the higher center is the, uh, the really a top chakra, we'll call it. I don't know that kind of rhymes. Uh, which is some people people call the head chakra or crown chakra. And it's above the head in the etheric body. All these chakras actually exist in the etheric body. And um, that particular chakra is the chakra that is not just understanding God, but it's co-creating with God. It's a creative because it's the first ray instead of the second ray. And again, that's the chakra that is going to get most stimulated to hopefully think better about the information that it receives, and it should improve the sense of the information about God better, too, uh, and, and how to create more of God and with God. Uh, that's the same thing. They're 
one and the same. And when doing that, uh, during this particular time, that chakra can grow more than at any other time in the year. So this is a good time to do it. Now, that's in general. If you are using that chakra already because you're a spiritual disciple and you're functional in a spiritual group, hopefully, because that works better, then the, the necessity for the festivals becomes de minimis. Uh, only to help other people, maybe if they need help with it, but as I'm doing right now. But if you're in that spiritual group, you're already doing all this stuff every day of the year, I hope, but as much as possible, and you don't need that necessary extra bump that is needed by people who aren't. As a matter of fact, uh, there's some argument among some spiritual beings uh, that the more advanced disciples that are doing the more the most stuff may actually not help the situation by trying to do this uh, focused thought because there um, it, it, it's it's not exact, exactly a net net uh, zero balance but you are actually uh, still receiving some thought that others might receive better because you're it's still an invocation rather than an evocation. Now, the better way to do that, in my suggestion, this has not yet become part, but it may soon, of the spiritual festival, is that there is a delineation. Now, let me explain that. My suggestion, and I think others as well, but this, this is, you know, has yet to become uh, a part of the spiritual festival, is that the people who are invoking the thought and the energies coming from uh, the spiritual hierarchy, the intensity of them, uh, during the festivals, those that can do without that and don't really need it should evoke. They should work in tandem with the evocation principle, helping all others in the festival. I think the significance of the festivals would go way up, and the importance of each uh, functional spiritual disciple would be greater. It has yet to happen. Now, uh, during certain uh, times in history, it was experimented with, uh, with groups of different levels of spiritual disciples, all focusing in an evocation out, uh, and this was done in, believe it or not, Tibet. But since uh, the early uh, 1950s, uh, Tibet was taken over by the Red Chinese, and the um, actually, the, it was interfered with by World War II, so this isn't quite a true statement now. It actually took place, it stopped, to my knowledge, be, uh, before the World War or soon thereafter. And uh, it, it never, re, uh, well, I don't know if it did. I'm not sure if it resumed, but I think it did not resume again uh, after that. It, if it did, it would have been for just a year or two, and then uh, never did after that time. But in, in any case, the the issue is that that was only a small group of people, thousands, uh, trying this at that particular time in that specific location. I'm talking about a worldwide kind of uh, process that would be much more interesting and I think helpful, and uh, that has yet to occur. And so... If we were to consider 
the uh, entire process as it is. It is uh, one in which, right now, there's an evocation coming from the spiritual hierarchy, these two different divisions, we'll call them, or actually kingdoms. And then uh, that is focused out and received or invocated by the uh, different people who participate in the festivals at the present time. This could be enhanced, as I said, uh, and, uh, you know, I just thought about it better. Sometimes I have to reach up there to find out the information. And uh, there were uh, two years uh, that uh, were done before um, the it stopped in between the end of World War II and uh, the uh, the Chinese uh, doing their nasty stuff. So at any rate, so regardless of that, the important thing here to realize is that the science of the spiritual festivals is really based upon the thought of beings greater than us who are trying to help us with certain energies that will help our centers, our, our senses, uh, and improve how we use our senses, the information that comes from them, so we can spiritually serve. And it has a uh, big impact on that. Now, that's the, and right now I just used the first way because that's coming up. But the next month, the next full moon, and I'm going to come back to some things about this particular festival, too. But the next full moon is, um, is different. That full moon is about the heart chakra. And you might say, oh, the heart chakra, well, that's a kind of interesting thing. And it uh, particularly uh, plays attention, pays attention to an evocation by the spiritual hierarchy of the second ray. Now, the second ray is a lot safer to focus on, and the uh, effectiveness and strength in usually the thought and the energy that's evoked by the spiritual hierarchy is much, much higher during this particular second ray festival. And the reason is that it's way safer because uh, the dark side doesn't like, <laughs> you know, like love. <laughs> And uh, they do everything to avoid it if they can. So uh, they really zap during that time. This is the biggest one, actually. This is the strongest of the festivals, almost always, and at this time in, in our existence. And it's the safest. So, uh, I mean, if evil wasn't on the planet, you could make them all the same, really, but it is. And so uh, that's the reason for it. Now, uh, this is, you know, it, it, this festival is a is is a bit different because it's it's dealing with the full moon in Taurus, uh, and so it has a uh, a different uh, way or structure of development. Taurus, as a sign, is actually a a uh, fourth ray and a second ray, but as the, the energy that is being transmitted is still uh, focused through the heart chakra, so it is second ray energy. It's a little bit buffered by that effect, by the way. And there's a deliberateness to that whole concept. Since they really poured on <laughs> during the secondary festival, that's the one people usually have the most experience uh, in some sensation about. Since they really poured on during that time, uh, it has an overall greater effect. And uh, the fourth ray being in there helps to balance 
the way that the zechariah energy comes in. So they can pour it on without there being harm that could or might, uh, under other circumstances, happen. And uh, most people consider that that festival to be for them anyway. Some people only uh, use that festival in their uh, meditative role, and uh, that's you know, I mean, this is an individual decision. Sometimes groups decide it. You know, this is what we want to do. We'll do it in all three, or we'll just do it in a second. You know, it's okay. It depends. But at any rate, the uh, the key to the second festival is that uh, that's the festival where people are gaining an understanding about angels' wisdom, which is why each year, which is really understanding about God. They're understanding how the universe ontologically works. And um, that's a that's a big part. That's a big part of the festivals so that more people will understand or gain an inkling even in some cases. Uh, this is the uh, festival that uh, sometimes gets people who are either atheistic or agnostic to become aware of some things about God that um, that may get them to question their position of being an atheist or an agnostic, and maybe say, you know, it does seem like there's a God, because it's during that time when it's so strong. Their senses improve about God, and so things that are normal they're normally an illusion about, which causes them to reject God and say, oh, there's nothing God is nothing. Uh, that, that may break through. So it's a, it's good for those folks, and it, the intensity is really helpful. For them, because they're tenacious about their position, usually, and uh, uh, oftentimes egotistical about it. And so this helps especially with the mental chakras, rather than just the etheric or astral chakras. And you should be aware that when it, we're talking about these festivals, they affect all three bodies. Now, the physical body is the one you're going to notice it in the most, but the astral and mental are actually, in the case of spiritually disciplined people, the more important ones for most people, uh, depending upon where they are at in the initiatory process. But for the majority, it's actually more important. And so this is this is helpful, too, because it does affect those higher centers. And uh, the, But uh, the, second, uh, the second festival affects the physical chakra uh, more than uh, the other two festivals affect the physical chakra just because of its intensity and because we're more willing to uh, absorb the energy uh, in that particular way. Although, uh, for some people, especially women, it might be equal to or greater in their astral body just because of the way the, the chakras in those bodies function depending upon men or women. So there's another uh, interesting differential, we'll say, and that's just caused by the emphasis of the sexual identity of a person on which body. And the way that works is pretty simple, actually, very straightforward, and it's kind of the reason we have sexual identity. Uh, when we have, when we're male, we identify more strongly with our physical and mental bodies than we do our astral. And when someone is female, they identify with their female body more than the physical uh, or mental. And the interesting thing is this is done to uh, develop some kind 
some level of balance uh, for people between lifetimes, because sometimes you're born in three lifetimes one way and three lifetimes another. depends. It can vary uh, it, it, as far as your uh, sexual uh, identification. And the results are pretty interesting because with women, there's a more natural balance, but women actually have uh, less of the balance being focused in during the festivals, at least, and some other times, too, because they only have one body that's feminine. Men, because they have the disadvantage, because they're almost always sexually identifiably imbalanced by the way the energy is going through their sexual center, uh, it causes... Uh, then to be a bit more imbalanced, but to try to compensate for some of that disturbing effect, they've got two balance, the two bodies, the uh, physical and mental, in which case they can try to achieve a higher level of balance. And the festivals help in this. They actually do help in this. Because, again, you've got the same thing. You've got two festivals that are more masculine in their approach uh, in terms of the balancing than the, uh, the second ray festival, which is actually the one that, like I said, is the most potent, but yet achieves less of a balanced position in some people in any way. But again, you've got that Taurinian approach that has some additional balancing effect to it. So everything is attempting to move the planet towards a state of balance. If it does achieve anything close to that, we might someday become sacred and drive some, or drive all the evil off of our planet, which would be good. Very good thing to do. Okay, so then what What about the third festival? There's the last one. It's in Gemini. Oh, wow. You know. And this, this really deals with the question of trying to move from a fully, we'll call it, uh, energy system to an intelligent action system. And increase the intelligent activity in the world instead of people making quote-unquote mistakes and... Uh, causing a lot of forces in their life. And this third ray approach, uh, which is the throat chakra, uh, is uh, one, the last attribute of God that is focused on in the festivals. We notice the festivals only focus on the attributes of God. I mean, not attributes, aspects of God. <laughs> Today I'm getting my aspects and attributes confused. On the aspects of God's mind and not the attributes that come from those three aspects. So, in this particular case, uh, the, the third aspect of God's mind has to do with form. Everything in form comes from intelligent activity that's converted into energy and becomes form. And it's how spirit operates. Spirit operates within form, where we exist, right? And so, this is the definition of what the uh, festival is about to try to get spirit working best through form and functioning in a way that allows the spirit in a form to uh, create first structured, we'll say, um, structured continuity uh, and uh, where there is a, uh, a large conceptual uh, framework for what the outcome is going to be. So cause and effect are brought together in a meaningful and helpful way so that there's more light. That's a mental way. And that's the beginning. That's what the third ray is attempting to do towards the beginning. Eventually, it moves to where there is... And that's what happens, by the way, by there being an equal amount of spiritual thought to 
balance the thought of the non-spiritual stuff, which is called energy. And uh, the energy, some of it wants to gravitate together, and the spiritual thought wants the energy to create some intelligent interactions with other uh, other beings that are also made out of spirit and form. And, but eventually, if this all works out in a better way than it is right now on Earth, you get a more than just a balance between spirit and energy. You get twice as much spirit thinking as there is energy. Then it thinks for both its own existence and the existence of the energy. And when it can do that at the same time, you then have then have what is known by definition intuitional thought. And intuitional thought is part of Buddhi, part of the Buddhic world, and it it now creates beauty. The type of virtue it creates is beauty, rather than this kind of perfection and structure, which is a good thing. A balanced structure is a good thing. That's more mental, and that creates truth. So you go from a truthful kind of uh, sense to a beautiful or beautified sense, which is more intuitive and uh, definitely a higher spiritual sense. Great. Okay, so we want to do this with the throat chakra. And the throat chakra affects the other chakras in a whole bunch of ways. And it is the uh, it is the part of us that is able to bring spirit and energy together in a way that will hopefully, at some point, lead to uh, a human being that is uh, truly balanced in all ways. And then you're no longer human. You become a member of that lower part of the spiritual kingdom that I uh, mentioned in the beginning of the show, and you become a liberated soul and a member of the kingdom of souls. So all of this could be said to be a way of uh, getting closer to that hopeful uh, both experience and service to the world. We're all here to do that. Everybody came here for that purpose. And some people have gotten off (laughs) functioning in the darkness. Others that don't know what they're doing, they haven't gotten off, but they haven't gotten on either, so they're just sort of floundering. And then there's people who are spiritually disciplining themselves. Some of them succeed, some fail. Once you fail, you usually fail through things that are illusions in your physical, which is called maya, and astral body, which is called glamour, or to, due to the mental illusions of egotism and eventually arrogance. And those kinds of uh, problems lead people astray. They, they are the illusions that cause a lot of people to lose their place. And that's what these festivals, is, they're really for that. They, they, they are trying to help those that are slipping and sliding away from doing so. Their effectiveness over the years has, has waned. Now, why is that? Well, again, we're talking about science today. I'm not going into much history, but... It, it, it's waned because of the following effects. Human beings are members, for the most part, of the fifth race and the fifth sub-race of the fifth race, which puts them in a turmoil because they tend to be very egotistical in general. And they have not become, we'll say, uh, very interested, uh, as humans have been, and mystical issues, mystical thought. And beyond that, they are now, at this point, 
lot of the elements of metaphysics, and especially things that have been part of what were the spiritual festivals, because they were very mystical before, and definitely esoteric, meaning hidden from most of the world. And in t- as a, science has developed itself, which is truth, uh, the truth of science is great, but there's a lot of science, maybe 95%, that is untruthful, and that has led people into thinking that this stuff is a bunch of nonsense. And it sounds pretty strange when you talk about it, so you can't really you know, say those people are crazy. But they think that, and as spiritual disciples, um, even if they are doing good things, they don't necessarily identify themselves as spiritual disciples, and they don't, if they're even functioning in a spiritual group, they don't know that group's probably spiritual, unless they're along the second way. So really, the interesting thing about this is that the festivals have, have failed because spiritual disciples and spiritual groups have failed, and they're not doing too well. They're not really that healthy at this time. And there isn't a lot that can be done to change that until each spiritual disciple on their own decides, hey, I really want to serve rather than have some other motive due to their illusions, which came, which are the three bodies illusions I described, and live their life through those illusions instead of through uh, spiritual service. And when you into that, then you're not going to be thinking, well, I think it's just the one of the three months of the festival, so I better start meditating and try to get, improve my uh, senses, just like that guy in the radio set. You see, that's uh, that's the problem. <laughs> They're not tuned in. <laughs> They're not listening to the show, for sure. And so that's where the problem comes in. Um, and the spiritual festivals have declined over the last uh, century, and particularly the last half century, dramatically. Now, you could say, well, I heard about this group or that group, and they have these uh, big celebrations. At the... Yeah, they do, actually. But you've got to understand, I'm talking about a spiritual festival and not a mundane one that these groups may misguidedly <laughs> be doing certain things. A lot of times they're not doing what is about what the festival's about. Um, and even if they are, they don't understand what the festival actually is in many cases. Not always. Some do, and I totally respect that. But others don't, and they're, you know, it's more like a party kind of thing. And so, uh, or it, it may be that the word festival, because of its mundane meaning, has, through darkness, which they do this all the time, being converted in most people's minds to, hey, let's party, you know, and do that sort of stuff, and um, not recognize that the festival was to focuses on the development of souls and the improvement of the planet, because you've got both sides of the spiritual hierarchy represented. And uh, they just don't get that. They don't know that that's what it's, the festival's about. It's, you know, maybe about something else. A lot of people, uh, unfortunately, this is, this is called the spiritually ambition, ambitious crowd, uh, that are actually somewhat spiritual and are disciples. Um, they think it's to improve themselves for the purpose of being better themselves. Uh, I, you know, you could kind of look at this and say, well, that isn't completely untrue, is it? No, it's not, but the, it, it, the purpose is to help souls, others, and help the planet, which is like a big soul. And it's not to really just say, gee, I can really sense more. 
there's a big one, there's a little one, I can see it. You know, that kind of stuff is all sensationalism. And it's into the, we'll call it more towards the new age experiential uh, aspect, which is not really what the science of the spiritual festivals is about. But it has become, for some, a kind of almost uh, foregone conclusion that that's what it's about. It's about getting something. And that's probably why the invocation part is not so great for most people. Because when you're invocating, sometimes it's very personal, and that's what you don't want. This needs to be a soul-level invocation. What do I mean by that? It needs to be, you're doing it really for the benefit of others, not for yourself. That's the point. And motive is critical. Wrong motive can mess up the whole thing and create an opposite effect than what the benefit is. So you have to say the spiritual festivals are becoming almost a toss-up in their effectiveness. Maybe a show like this and some other things that I talk about or write about might be helpful, or what others are trying to do as well. But at this time, this is about as low as it has gone, and it's kind of sad. It makes you wonder whether it's even worth it, and that may be true. Although, again, this evocation thing is probably... And, of course, evocation is not just your thinking, although that's the beginning of it, it's also the actions you take. The plans you have in those actions as well, which is part of the second festival planning, and then the actions you take and what plans you have for them becomes part of the third festival. So you see how it all fits together. Well, we're running out of time for this segment, so I, I guess I, I just wanted to define what the show is about, and when we come back, we'll go into more details, and I'll tell you more things that you probably haven't heard about the science of the spiritual festivals. We'll be back in about two and a half minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower. M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning, 
This one book contains more answers, including the wise, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's Hidden Meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. We're back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Tonight, hey, we're talking about the science of the spiritual festivals. This is the time to do that because the spiritual festivals next week, and it's going to be the full moon, just as you may understand it, in Aries. Now, how does that, what is the full moon, and what does that have to do with anything? I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I find astrology interesting. But it's only esoteric or hidden astrology that I find to be of, of, of value. Uh, that's for me. Most astrology is personal, and it's not hidden. It's, it's in the it's in a certain page of the newspaper, even. But it's not hidden, and it's not it's not really that spiritual. The spiritual side of astrology is about the stuff I'm talking about tonight, and in a lot of other shows. And it does have to do with energies that strike our planet from time to time and the focus of the thought of, in many cases, beings far beyond ourselves. But it is not as related to the physical bodies that it is associated with. It has to do with those beings that represent those things and how they collectively work together. That's why it's so hard to fathom or even to believe and it must be there's any accuracy. Although it does appear, even on a personal side, there's some accuracy to astrology, but you, that's my opinion, and maybe you'll disagree. But in esoteric terms, it's very important. And so, where does the moon have anything to do with it? What's a full moon? I mean, the moon is only full because of the, the angle of the moon to the sun, and it's going around the earth and the whole thing, and then doing a... I mean, this whole thing is, uh, you know, uh, it's geometry, basically, and it's how light is moving, right? So why would that have a change on anything that we could imagine? Well, there's several things that you should be aware of. That is that, uh, and this is a little bit hard to understand, but the full moon has an effect on our astral body. Now, why is that? Well, this is going to be a little bit hard to describe, but there's a, there's the, the astral world, and our astral bodies exist in the astral world. Um, that world has an extra dimension to it, and it's the direction and speed of energy. It just adds a whole new dimension to the, to the entire world. And when the moon is full, okay, it tends to put more energy, which we see as light, but it's actually more energy into the astral dimension. And the astral dimension is kind of goofy because it isn't anything like 
what we think of as three-dimensional space. As an example, the seventh astral dimension is right after the first on the light side of the moon. And so, and then you have the sixth. So you have an odd set of circumstances that takes place. Uh, this emotional energy coming from the moon is first buffered by the first first uh, uh, dimension, subdimension of the astral world, which is called the highest or the the the, the first subdimension, and that dimension tries to convert as much as possible the energy of the moon into love. But it can't do all of it because it's a relatively small dimension and there's a relatively small number of folks there. But they do do some. Then when you get to the next two dimensions, it's unfortunate, but those two dimensions are the most emotional. And they do a flip, a flip around on the energy coming from the moon. And they flip it to becoming uh, highly emotional energy. And then the rest of the dimensions kind of... Fill in the differences, you might say. The fourth dimension, which is right in the middle, uh, is relatively loving. It's not a spiritual dimension, and it's right next to the Earth, the physical Earth. So the connection to the physical Earth is a good thing, because that's where a lot of people live, is in the fourth uh, dimension, of uh, fourth sub-dimension of the asteroid. And it has the greatest buffering effect. Uh, and it takes some of the uh, strong emotional aspects and it puts it back again to some love into it. And this is all because of how we have built up uh, virtue or light and form in general in our bodies uh, through the sub-races and races of humanity. So it's kind of juggled around this way. We create through our astral bodies the dimensionality in what I just described and the... the, um, astral dimension. So if we were more selfish in general, the fourth dimension wouldn't be where it is, and you'd have uh, a more selfish even fourth dimension to begin with, and that could cause a upset by increasing the emotionality of the moon. Now, you can say, well, wait a second, you're doing this on the full moon, right? Isn't that when you can have the most amount of emotionality? Right, or love. Or love. So, if you have spiritual disciples focusing on the full moon, trying to create more of the virtues, it's coming from that particular space in time, then you want to have a change from this emotive part, this highly emotive part, into a more loving existence. And that's why the festivals are designed that way. So they're trying to keep this from getting out of hand. And it's sort of like a slight uh, spin to the other direction of love rather than to the direction of being selfish, which is emotive or emotional. Now, that doesn't mean that it has a permanent effect, nor does it mean that it always uh, is going to change the world. But it's always been to do whatever can be done, and this is the uh, time, these three months, that there can be at least a little bit done through these spiritual festivals. They have become less effective. And uh, for those people who, who really want to know, what if you get closer and you go live on the moon, what happens? Well, then you got some interesting uh, things to, to think about. The dark side of the moon, by the way, uh, in fourth dimensional space, is where the, uh, the evil folks in this, this part of our uh, 
live. That's that they're you know that's called a sphere, and it's not a, it's not a, it's still a subdimension of the still a part of the subdimension of the seventh plane, seventh subdimension, excuse me. But it is um, it is its own thing. Even the time and space is distorted, and it's half the dilation of the other side, meaning that there's, they cut the light even down by more. It's pretty remarkable that they have achieved such results. And as a buffer, the, the first subdimension of the astral plane is between the A-sphere and the seventh subdimension. So they, it, this thing is designed to try to make things work right. Uh, it doesn't mean that it will work right. And actually, there is some possibility that it could go uh, astray. But for right now, that's the way it is functioning. Now, the object here is to um, intensify the love side and to decrease the emotive side. That's the object. Uh, you've heard some people call it just a fairy tale that uh, during full moons, people tend to be more emotional. Well, some people do, but not all people. The people who tend to be more emotional are people with emotional problems and people who are criminal uh, or people who are very selfish and hostile, generally speaking. But uh, for average folk, you, you could probably not notice much difference. And for uh, really people who are living a, a highly focused out spiritual and selfish life, it doesn't do that at all. You don't become more emotional. You become more loving and oftentimes more loving in somewhat wise ways. So that's the good news about how it works, but unfortunately there is the bad news. <laughs> the, the no good nicks get more emotional and so they do more crazy stuff. What do they do? Well, they may go out and do things like, you know, <laughs> destroying somebody's property, you know, or various other things. Or they may steal. They may, they may actually commit out-and-out crimes. But in, in any case, you know, what is really happening is that they're open to that kind of effect, and the moon is producing it. Now, the amount that the moon produces is not so tremendous that you're going to go crazy just because you look at the moon. That was a fairy tale back in the day. But not, not so. It's just that if you already have high propensities, it will aggravate. That's all I'm saying. So you won't go crazy because you go out and look at the moon. <laughs> at least not unless you already are crazy. <laughs> That's your problem. All right, so the the other aspect of the science of the situation is that it's also happening during a specific month, and it has to do with when the moon is in Aries. Well, all this is kind of confusing to some people, but that has to do with the race structure. You want to have the moon in a certain ray structure. Um, and so it has to do with the ray design. Now, a lot of people have asked me, well, why isn't the moon, uh, why isn't the festival then in the appropriate uh, second ray uh, focus rather than the fourth and that sort of thing? And the, the answer to that is a, is a little hard to explain because it is not well understood, and that is that, as I said earlier, the mitigation of the fourth ray is important, and you want these three festivals together. You wouldn't want them to be uh, separated by months of time. It is a disadvantage.
deal with it in that particular way. And we, I know that folks would like to think that everything fits into a box that is more based upon structure and astrology than upon the needs of, um, we'll say, spirit. But these are spiritual festivals. They aren't astrological festivals. And yet it's a big difference. I think that most people don't get that. We're dealing with the energies for spiritual purposes, and they are spiritual energies. They aren't dealt with for some of the factors that are included in astrology. Astrology in and of itself uh, was developed for personal issues and not spiritual. It has been used coincidentally with those personal issues for spiritual reasons because the soul uses astrology uh, for spiritual issues, and so do higher beings. But for human beings, that has not been the case. Then we have the mundane side, mundane astrology, and then we have the spiritual side, which is a whole whole different thing completely. You know, it, it, it really changes the complexion of what it is that we're referring to by having these um, these different ray focuses in relationship to what is typical in the way astrology may represent them. Okay, so now, the, the most important thing is to have the festival's three connected months because they have effects on the world in certain ways that uh, sequentially is needed, is needed for the benefit of the planet. Remember, this is not just even for souls. Half of the spiritual hierarchy that's focusing this whole thing is about planetary development. And planet does not just mean humans on the planet, although we're important. It's all the lower kingdoms, too. So we're developing the whole planet at a particular time to hopefully make it survive better uh, with the onslaught of evil, particularly here on Earth, and to try to raise the overall consciousness of everything. That's really what the festivals are about. Spirit, the word spirit, is the first two parts of God's mind. When put together, it's God's thought. So the spiritual festivals are the festivals about God's thought. And what do the beings that are involved with use? Well, use God's thought. And the third part of its mind, God's mind, which is the interactive part. Thought is one thing, and then you have form interacting. And the three together, three parts together, create life. You can't create life, life unless you have all three of those parts, by the way. And so that's, the, that's what the spiritual festivals are about. The festival part probably is the hidden part of the interaction. You have the spiritual festivals. And the festivals are actually how people are going to interact with the thought of God. I really think that this is a, an amazingly different way to probably perceive the festivals. It may also be, unfortunately for some, a uh, contentious issue, because I know that other people have a different opinion of what the festivals are, and they practice this whole thing in a very different way, uh, for different reasons and different motives, and hopefully, or, I don't know, maybe I, they, for them, but for I think, unfortunately, uh, a different outcome. Their their purposes, as I said earlier, may be counter 
to what the spiritual festivals are about, which is so bizarre. And it's also affecting the effectiveness of these spiritual festivals and turning them into a meaningless activity that may even be in the long run destructive. So we always have to be careful when we're talking about good or bad because these are supposedly, supposedly made so that they're going to be good. But there's no guarantee in this world particularly that anything that is supposed to be good will actually be good. So we have to be always cautious and thinking about and considering and even being scientific about whether or not it's going to really produce what we think it is in terms of its long-term outcome. Okay, there is a, a plan change in the spiritual festivals besides the one I suggested, which has become evocative as well as uh, invocative on the part of all participants. But there is a plan change, uh, generally speaking, and it should come about the time that the fourth uh, ray, which is uh, becoming more in focus, and it would intensify, by the way, the second uh, fest- festival considerably. Um, this this would produce a overall change in consciousness, by the way. And uh, this change, uh, besides my suggestion of evocation, is to uh, make it possible for, at some point, there be an externalization of some of the lower uh, kingdom of the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of souls, uh, some of those we call the masters, to actually spend physical time with spiritual groups and to work with them. And it would kind of be, there would be almost a matching between the two, uh, but uh, it doesn't have to be that this happens at the same time, but the hope was that it might. Uh, it's looking dim right now, but maybe that will turn around in the next 10 years or so. We'll see. Because by 2025, the fourth ray will be fully in. The third ray will be fully out as a focused ray. And with that added focus, the hope was the following would take place. All right, the externalization of the hierarchy, but even if that were to not take place, then the following change in the way the festivals uh, would be, uh, quote-unquote, quote, by some people's meaning of the word, celebrate. And that would be that instead of there being a, um, a period of uh, focus of the uh, spiritual hierarchy on, uh, we'll call it, those people who are um, who are meditating at the same time or around within five days, as we talked about the full moon time, that the the festival will be used in the following way: it will be used to attempt to bring people or become uh, to attempt to help people who are not meditating, but who are doing any kind of helpful service, even without meditation. Service is a very important thing uh, because they're still in the same groove of meditation. And the thought that would be, uh, would be evoked would be a different kind of thinking than the thinking of those who are meditating on that thought. Matching the meditation is what brings in the improvement of spin in the centers 
and the uh, intensity of the spiritual uh, spiritual part of each center, the major chakra. That's the way it works right now. This new method is different. It's more diffused. Uh, it would work less on spiritual disciples. Uh, that, that's, a lot of people would say, well, wait a second, isn't the spiritual disciples people change the world? Well, yeah, but maybe it ain't working so good. You know? So you got to go with the flow, and if it isn't doing everything it's supposed to do, maybe what you do is you modify it. Now, the two cannot be done at the same time, and that's unfortunate. At least nobody's come up with a way to do it yet. Uh, from the, This isn't human. we come up with this way. It's beings from the next uh, kingdom. Kingdoms. Uh, but the, the, it would be it would be possible to do it together if there was externalization. I should make that point. So if we had the externalization, we actually had masters here with us. This could be done together. You could diffuse it out and have it affect anybody who's doing any kind of spiritual thing in their life during the, the time that they do this. That would be a big boost. But and you could do it with and. At the same time, focus in on the spiritual disciples who are focusing to help develop their their centers more. Now, you could say, well, what would happen to the people who are, you know, they're they're doing their spiritual service, but they're not necessarily, you know, well, it would help them in the following way. Their their mind, their spirit part, is not necessarily being directly stimulated, so they wouldn't be conscious of the changes until they decided to be. But it would be an advantage to the energy part of the center. Their energy part would become more acutely ah, informed. And if they decided to become more conscious, even for a second or two, they might keep going in that and say, oh, I understand better. I can keep understanding more. It may multiply on itself, and then it would eventually affect the spirit sphere and become permanent. But even if it didn't, it would help them in their service at the moment they were doing it, and there'd be fewer mistakes. Either way, it's a good thing. But remember, there's a trade-off here. Unless the um, there's an externalization of the spiritual hierarchy, it doesn't, it won't work. They can't do it for both if they're not here. Now, why is that the case? I mean, who came up with that kind of crazy physics? Well, it works like this: energy files not greater than its own. Okay. And in the physical world, if you create thought that affects the energy, that affects everybody. And you can do that while you're also affecting the mental and 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 astral bodies of and the physical of uh, spiritual disciples who are doing it for a conscious reason. But if you don't do it that way and you're not externalized, you could only then either focus on the physical world, which would eliminate the spiritual disciples in their mental and astral bodies and would pretty much curtail most of the reason they do it, which is to become more conscious in those bodies. And it would it would increase then the spiritual the, the spiritual activity of people, all people, spiritual disciples or otherwise, but mostly the rest of the world of non-spiritual disciples and a smaller amount uh, to some small amount of spiritual disciples. So the question is, which is better? <laughs> okay. Okay, I, I had to explain all that. I know, you you know, probably you're probably saying, what did he say? Well, you can re-listen to that part. <laughs> I know this is, you know, I, I try to make these relatively complicated things as simple as possible, but I, 
after a while, you sometimes wonder if it's just, it's just a little bit beyond most people to carry carry all that information. But I, I hope you did follow me. And so, so here is the issue now. If we, if which is the better answer? And the answer won't be obvious until the last few years before 2025. We're not going to know because. It's in flux right now. It's not moving in the right direction for me anyway, but it's it's in flux. It's looking like the externalization factor is not going to be before 2025 or on to, at to 2025. I know a lot of people that have an inkling of that, what that means, are very big about it, and they pray about it, they want it, they read about it, and some people think it's going to happen or already has happened. I don't know what they want to believe. But it hasn't happened. And there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't look like it's going to happen in the next 11 years. And so that's our problem. We're facing this this issue, and it's not a small problem. It's a big problem. But, okay, so if that's off the table, then we got to choose between the one way to go, which is to probably not uh, bank much as much on spiritual disciples uh, or go with a more generalized, let's go for at least a while and see if the spiritual festivals would work better this other way. And then I think the evocation thing would be a very big help because everybody might start realizing that they're not just here to have full moon meditations once a month or or triangle groups of meditations together. It's like three groups and three groups. And other stuff. Or... And, but they're actually here to spiritually serve, and service is not sitting on your duff thinking about it. It's, it's using your resources of time and, and energy and money, which is compressed time and energy. It's using everything you have to make a difference. And the difference is to the highest and best use possible. Not like, well, I'll give it all to this charity or that charity. Those charities are probably doing the lowest you know, or give it to my friends. You know, that's good. <laughs> or sometimes relatives. That's not really too helpful either. Most of the time, they aren't even near the spiritual level, worthy of even a dime. So ultimately, you've got to look at this from the standpoint that you're here to serve. And if we could get people who are inclined and are spiritual disciples or inclined to become, we'll uh, we'll do so in a more balanced way than just sitting around and meditating, and then reading, or even listening to a show like this. It's more about also interaction. It's a third part of God's mind, and if you don't bring it in, you basically aren't really making a difference. Oh, you might be doing something in yourself, but it's for yourself, and pretty much that's about it. It needs to be soul-related, which means you do it for others so that they can do it to still others in service, not not get. So that's the conflict. That's the problem with spiritual festivals right now is that we got all that going on, you know, the selfish side. Very little going on with the spiritual side. And even the people participating in spiritual festivals are sometimes the people who are doing the least amount of spiritual service, not the most. Now, that's why you got to ask yourself, well, why do more spiritual festivals this way? Maybe we should change the whole idea of it. Well, you know where my vote is, okay? Just so you... I, I'm not hiding it. <laughs> my vote is 
Let's throw in evocation as I know it now. And I, we'll get, this, I'm going to get to why we're waiting, though. But my vote is throw in the invoca- invocation. And uh, let's do the diffuse thing on the, on the uh, energy centers of mostly the etheric physical uh, as much as you get any of the other centers, fine. But let's, let's at least do it here for now until the externalization. We can do it for all the centers and all the people, and that's great. You can do both. But let's go with this thing at this time uh, or nearabouts and uh, see if it works. Maybe maybe we can really shake things up. I'm in favor. Right? Anyway. But now, the the attitude is to wait, and the reason is the following, just so you don't think that I'm about this idea. Um, the reason is to wait because there's, there, we have a lot of spiritual disciples coming close to the age of 28, uh, and so we should give them a chance to, you know, uh, maybe maybe they'll wake up, you know, maybe they'll participate in spiritual service and not just uh, dink around with uh, the full moon meditations or whatever. And, uh, or some kind of party. <laughs> Let's celebrate. Um, and maybe that, that 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 level of serious agenda could be then very helpful because we are a planet devoted to initiation. And we, we, we're not, in either case, we wouldn't be giving up on initiation, but the emphasis is supposed to be weighted towards initiation rather than towards people who aren't willing to become spiritual initiates. Okay, so that's the deal. We all signed up for it, and so you wait till the very last minute, so to speak, to try to get all the initiates going, because that's the system. But eventually, I think you might have to cut bait on this one, because if by 2025 or so, things still are looking like they are today, then it's, it's senseless to continue with these spiritual festivals, which are doing virtually nothing and to instead try something new. And it just might make a difference. I mean, I'm I'm a believer in experimentation, especially when you're up against the wall and you can't figure out what else to do. Might as well try something that might work. You don't know if it's going to work, but uh, as long as it doesn't look like there's a tremendous downside. Now, let's talk about the downside. What is the downside? Well, there might be a, a real uh, spiritual disciple that could benefit from the festivals right now, and we might be abandoning them. That's a concern. What if it's one of the greatest spiritual disciples the world's ever going to see, and we abandon that person, and they they lose that life or what? So you have to do. You have to look at those consequences and be concerned about. Remember, this world uh, is a world devoted to the idea that the very few lead the very many into a more spiritual life. Uh, That is not a good system, by the way, in my opinion, but it sure cuts down the time before you get sometimes a planet to develop itself into a spiritual world. And it can be used that way. It has many bad problems. One of it is it invites evil. Evil loves the whole the idea of it. <laughs> it's like, celebrate! <laughs> They're initiates! Hey! And the reason for it is because of all the stuff I said about those about those terrible illusions that people get. And the, 
when you are depending upon so few to do so much for so many, you end up usually being targets and big targets. And with the illusions that disciples have, you try to speed up the development through this initiatory process uh, and fill in the blanks with zapping, as it's called. The, pro- the, the problem becomes that uh, they're, easy, they're easy targets for the dark side. Believe it or not, almost every, all the beings from the dark side in this world, on Earth, were spiritual disciples at one time. Yep, that's correct. Whew. That isn't good, is it? Kind of scary idea. So you can see the, the spiritual festivals were supposed to mitigate some of this problem, right? They're there to do good. And now, just like everything else, after a while, it, the dark side manages some way to turn the whole thing around, and we've got to now reevaluate whether or not this is going to be good at all to in, within the next 10 years. We're going to have to figure this thing out. Now, overall, I'm in favor of waiting because of what I just said. Uh, Feeling-wise, I would like to do it now <laughs> because, well... There's so many people falling off the wagon. You can, you, you know, you can barely, you can barely keep track of them. Many more people are failing in spiritual discipline than they're succeeding. And I mean, people who for lifetimes have been doing that, sometimes successfully, and now they're just blowing up, gone. I've seen it firsthand. It's scary. All right, so what, it's all because we're usually glamorous, but sometimes it's egotism. It's glamorous in women more often, and it's the egotism and arrogance in men. But, you know, and, and some people it's Maya. And Maya is the, is the etheric. But, and Maya usually goes along with those other two to some extent, too, but it depends on the person. Some people are more energic and have more Maya than others, no matter what they have going on in the other two bodies. It just depends on the person. Okay. So, in looking at it from my perspective, you can see why I would want to probably say, let's consider this. <laughs> and the other possibility, now I'm going to suggest, you know, we had door number one and door number two. I just gave you the two. I mean, what about door number three? How about we do a hybrid on this situation? You know, that's a famous word these days. Hybrid. How about this? In the next year or two, why not? Try to switch this to some evocation on the part of the spiritual disciples, you know, that it, that can participate in it. I would like to try that. Then that doesn't hurt what the evocation coming from the other side, uh, and, and so you just evocate by uh, spiritual disciples who choose to participate in that and have enough consciousness to do it, and maybe have heard my show, um, and then the result could be. Uh, we can tell to see if there's an improvement just in that for the next uh, 10, 11 years. And then uh, when we get down the line, we know what way the spiritual hierarchy should go and their determination, especially if there's going to be any externalization, which is almost zero possible, almost. But I, I think until it is absolutely zero, if that could be true, uh, the other the spiritual hierarchy is probably not going to just... Uh, completely shift. But um, anyway, so my suggestion is, let's try evocation. Maybe that's it. And uh, that's something that maybe uh, the spiritual group I'm part of may be uh, trying to do in the not-too-distant future. 
we've got a lot of things to do. We're trying to change how people function. A spiritual festival in itself could be a really big, really big uh, mission. Maybe we wouldn't be able to do that ourselves. I don't think so, at least not right now. And I don't even know how many people are going to hear what I'm talking about right now. I mean, uh, thousands or whatever, but that's a pretty small number when you talk about how many. Oh, by the way, I, I might be into some kind of electronic um, syndication thing within a month or two. And that may increase the number of listeners in the show from the number right now to, to maybe over 100,000. could be. At least I, that's what I heard. Uh, we'll find out if that's going to be true. And that could help. And then if we have that many listeners maybe uh, talking about, maybe not for this year, we might be pretty close to the end of the festival situation this year, but, but for maybe next year, something we could try and experiment with that. And I could start announcing it earlier in the year so that people would know we're going to try and experiment and see. Then I would instruct people how to do the locations that I think might work and what they can come up with on their own. We can have people contributing maybe ideas about it for months ahead of time. It's a very interesting idea. Uh, okay, let's get back to our show tonight, though, but it is sort of that part of that, isn't it? Okay, so the science of the spiritual festivals is a... Um, it, it really explains why much more than anything I've ever, ever explained before. And if we're looking at this from uh, from a uh, profit-loss statement, you might say, uh, they need to be much more profitable for it to continue for a, a long time. Now, I just talked about the short term. But if we're talking about centuries or even millennia, uh, we would have to be seeing a much greater return overall than to continue with this whole concept, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. Because the amount of effort uh, gains very little. Uh, and at some point, it may cost far too much for other, from other areas where more could be done. And uh, unfortunately, that would be kind of like saying, well, the dark side won, you know, in in this respect. Uh, and I, I would certainly feel that way. They already have in terms of where the festivals were most potent, which was in Tibet. That's long gone. So, you know, here we've got this situation where it is a um, uh, a really upsetting circumstance because we may be facing, uh, in the not-too-distant future, I'm not talking about uh, 2035 now, uh, where this thing just ends as far as the science or as far as uh, spiritual festivals are concerned. Something else may replace them that would be far better uh, that would uh, be possibly more effective and more judicious in terms of the uh, timing energy spent by the next two kingdoms uh, about this particular kind of thing because it does take some of their thought away from the souls of the world, from the lower part, and away from some other interactions with other other uh, hierarchies and other worlds, etc., on the higher part, and including that of uh, interaction with with planets within our own solar system. So there's a certain amount, uh, you know, it's a trade-off, and there's a certain amount that you can trade up to a point, and then you say, well, this isn't working. You know, and if it's not working, we need a change because uh, it's better to 
put the time and energy and thought into something that will do better for people and for the planet. That's what we're looking for. Now, of course, it's probably mostly for souls that this is what we're referring to. All right, so how can we, how can all of us make a difference during this particular time in our lives so that it will maybe go better? Maybe this will not be a blowout sometime in the not-too-distant future, and it will turn into something great. And here, I'm going to try to spend most of the rest of the show talking about that, but in a more structured way than I have in the past, although this will resemble some prior shows uh, that we've had on this subject. Now, the first thing to remember here is that the spiritual festivals can either be practiced individually or in group. I told you that they had thousands of people doing this together in groups in some parts of the world, and Tibet was one of them. So it can be done that way. Uh, generally speaking, doing it in a group can be very effective. The main thing to remember here is that the motive of the people becomes critical. So if you're going to participate in this, and I'm going to get out, go way out on the limb here, if you're going to participate in this, particularly coming up very soon, please consider what I'm going to say as just a suggestion, but but maybe an important one. And that is, what you are doing it for, the reason you are doing it for, is probably more important than anything else. Even if you do it at the right time, or you do it with X number of people, or you do certain chants, or you're doing certain this or that, and you pray, and you, the most important thing is what is your motive? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, motive is a difficult thing for human beings because you need to have a higher mind activity, and it's usually uh, at least into the spiritual part of the higher mind, which is known as the third tier, and hopefully into the soul part. That's where it really works, where you discover what your motive is. Because the motive tells you why you're doing something, and that's what motive is. It's why you're doing it. And you need a why that's strong enough to see if it can, you can see it for spiritual reasons. If you don't go high enough into the higher mind, particularly the lower, the mid part of the spirit of the uh, second, second uh, subplane of the, of the higher mind, which is more spiritual or soul-like part, if you don't get there, you won't be able to tell whether you're truthfully doing it for the right reason. So that's very critical. Now, you might want to spend some time meditating about what your motive is. What does the motive need to be? The motive needs to be the following. It needs to be that you're doing it so you can be of service to others so that they can do the same. They can be of service to others. others. That's a soul level. And it's not a spiritual festival to you unless you have that motive. You can have a lot of other motives because you love the people you're with, because you want them all to have a a great experience together. It could be because you want to increase your consciousness. It could be because you want to uh, experience some great feeling. 
You want to have some kind of communication from the spiritual hierarchy and hear some great messages about the world. You may do it because you want to be able to tell people you did it. You may do it because you may want to be with people who say they're doing it. You may do it because uh, you got nothing better to do. <laughs> you may do it because it is the most important thing you think to do, but you don't know why. And all those are wrong reasons. <laughs> okay. They're all the wrong reasons. And they're the majority, if not almost all, of the reasons that people do participate in the spiritual festival. So, you need to have right motive. Right motive is difficult. It's a difficult thing because in assessing right motive, people usually find out all the wrong motives and they don't feel good about themselves. And it's a real bummer. They, they you know, they get depressed. It's, oh, why did that guy tell me to meditate on this? It's miserable. Well, yeah, in the misery, you'll come to uh, the truth in yourself, and maybe you can change your motive. Changing your motive has a lot to do with your heart chakra, and that you, you really understand and feel God, and you want God to be part of everybody. You understand God enough to know that it's, it's who and what you want to be a part of. And for anybody, and along any, any uh, spiritual persuasion, this is an important issue. Part of the reason, in my opinion, why, uh, because it's so focused on during this time by some people, why you have a spiritual, a set of spiritual holidays oftentimes falling around this time, particularly among Christians. So you, you, when you look at it from that standpoint, people have a subconscious, if not a conscious, understanding that the spiritual festivals are here. They don't really understand what it all means, but they have some response. Some people do. Okay, so, the other thing that you need to do, besides having right motive, is to ensure all the people you have communication with know about this. Give them the opportunity. Don't force, you can't force them to change your motives. Don't do that. But tell them about it. Explain it to them. Have them listen to the show. If you're all going to get together, why not listen to the show first so you got some idea of what it is you're doing, okay, and why you're doing it. Because if you're not doing it for the right motive, what happens is it's not an activity. It's a state of being. Particularly the first festival, it's about being. It's not even about consciousness, which is the second festival. This is really about being. And how could you be a, 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 a soul being who wants to be with a, a part, a creative part of God if that isn't your motive. I mean, so it's like, I am not, because I don't have a motive. That's right. Okay. So that's that's number one. Motive is critical, and if you know others, it's, it's just as critical to let them at least know or understand, if you can't help them understand what I'm talking about. And it may be helping by referring them to the show or some other source, if you know a source that has this, got it right. I can't refer you to any alternative sources because they, there are some people have pieces of it, but I don't know anyone who's got it like that, doing what I'm doing tonight. Okay, so that's the first thing. And make sure that anybody you do it with, this is really important, really important, that anyone you do it with has the same right motive. 
because if you don't, you nullify the result. So let's say you get together and you know what right motive is. But you say, let's work as a group together because we'll have common thought and groups intensify the effect. They do, provided you don't have one person of right motive and three people of wrong motive get together as a group trying to intensify their abilities to in, to receive the evocation and then to invoke it in a way that will create a spiritual uh, uh, service to someone else. Uh, if they have wrong motive, that will never happen, and it nullifies the one person with the right motive. So only do it with people of right motive or with no one at all and do it alone. But don't do it with people of wrong motive because you can get nothing. Okay, now... If you want to talk about this mathematically, I'm willing to admit the following. If you had 99 people of right motive and one with wrong, it wouldn't go terribly bad because the one with wrong is only going to have a somewhat negative, effect, a slight negative effect on the people that have a right. I'll go along with that. That's, that's okay. It'll be better to get everybody on the same page. If that's the best you can do, it's the best you can do, and that's it. Okay, but if it turns out that uh, it's even equal or a sizable minority have wrong motive, better to leave, truly, or to get everybody else to leave with you that has right motive and leave with people the wrong motive to do their own thing. That would probably be the best solution uh, if you can do that, because otherwise you'd be weakening the people with the right motive. I understand that. Try to get everybody that's together on the thing together. And the other people, at least let them be with themselves. But don't include them, because it will adversely affect the whole experience. Now, I know some people are going to disagree with me about that. That's all right. I mean, I I don't uh, take offense when people disagree with me, because... It happens so often, but uh, that that I'm I you know I'm just trying to explain it as I best understand it. You don't have to agree with it. Just, you, know, you think about it. That's what the show's about. It's to, to think. All right. So uh, the other things that I suggest is that you do start the meditative process like right away. I mean, for this this time, it'd be good to start because. So few people can use this their crown chakra much at all. It's 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 really uh, the spirit part of the chakra is relatively weak, and very few people create anywhere near the level that they're capable of, which would be the necessary level to create as a co-creator of God. Actually, you have to create a little bit beyond your capabilities if you really want to get to that. Through, use that uh, sphere uh, to its maximum. That spirit sphere in the uh, first chakra. That's a tough thing to do. And a lot of people can't do that. So starting now, or very soon to now, for this first festival would be a good thing to do. It would be very helpful. It would lead people into the right direction, we hope. But if it didn't do that, then you would have some other considerations. And, you know, it, let me put it like this. The, the creation 
of a mindset prototype uh, in each body requires not only that you think about how you want to serve, but what there is in you that is preventing that and how you can change that part about yourself. And that should be a major part of your earlier meditations before the festival. That isn't the thing you think about when you get to the festival. I'll get to that in a few minutes. But, but it's what, you're, what we're talking about right now because you want to get to the point where you start to work on the things that are causing the interference from the evocation and that uh, this allows you from being able to fully participate in Those things are all illusions, remember? They're all illusions. And each illusion has with it a potential issue, we'll call it. And I'll get to that in a second. I'm just going to quickly take a spray of my throat here. Okay, now I come back and my voice should be better. See, better voice means you can hear me better, right? Okay. As I start trailing off there, as my voice starts going away, uh, I can tell, and then I can spray. I probably should just have a you know have a little spray mechanism every 15 minutes. You know, it shoots in there in between words or something. I have to invent something like that. It might be in the way of the of the camera that's in there too, though. But we'll figure that out. All right. So. Anyway, uh, the okay. So we we come now to the to the part that okay. So you you're going to work on how to eliminate some of the things that are going to cause interference in the crown chakra. Remember, the other centers are still there too. I mean, you should just think, well, I'm only going to think about the crown chakra. But it is good to focus on that chakra and where you might have illusions. Now, if there's Maya in the crown chakra, which by the way is not too common. Um, and how you tell you have my my in the crown chakra? You can't use the physical brain to either remember or properly process information that is of high level uh, spiritual content. When you try to do that, and they don't they don't stick. You can't use them. If that's a problem, you have some Maya in the crown chakra. Most people don't have Maya there because they don't use it. They don't use the chakra at all for that purpose. They use it for very mundane things, and the spirit sphere is virtually un... They use it for creative activities in their physical life, but they don't use it for spiritual creations. So those... And, and a person who is has this higher concept, conceptual spiritual problem can't create spiritual thought themselves either. Most people don't use that chakra very much, and strangely, they don't have as much Maya there, but they might. And then, as far as glamours are concerned, uh, the the biggest glamour most people usually have connected with that chakra is the glamour to be godlike, you know, a super creative spiritual person, and that can be a glamour. Believe it or not, you can actually have that glamour. Like, oh wow, I'm going to be the greatest, or I am the greatest. Then you're really in trouble. You know, people that go around to saying, I am this level of initiate, I have accomplished these things or done this, they all have major, major problems in terms of the illusions in their astral uh, chakra. Because their desire is what fills that chakra. But it is the desire is blocking the chakra, spirit sphere and the chakra from developing. And so, oddly, the very people who say that they're usually such great spiritual, they have all kinds of 
spiritual credentials of some sort, whatever they think they are. I went to this workshop. I got this certificate. You know, I am. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, those folks that have that going on, they, generally speaking, have a glamour, a serious glamour about it, and uh, they will have more trouble. If you hear that going on in you, the thing to do is to recognize that that is a bunch of nonsense, and that the truth is that you probably are less conscious in that chakra than most people, and you need to develop it. And the way you can develop it is by admission to yourself at first, and hopefully to other people, that this isn't who, this isn't really who or what you are. You're, you're even exaggerating, or maybe creating falsehoods about yourself. And you know you, 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 that you aren't the creative being that you would like to be, but you could be. You could be. And so you're going to focus with this truth in you, with the motive to serve others, so they can do the same. See how we're putting this together? And then you will have a, a much better, uh, at least astral development from that. Uh, the astral then joins with the physical to help you create certain creative physical activities here that are going to serve people to help them serve. And so you're going to be putting this, those two together. And then finally, we move on to, you know, to the mental aspect of trying to deal with this, uh, with this chakra. And that's a, that's a little trickier now because most people don't think from the first subplane of the uh, mental world. It's very hard to think from there. And if you have any thoughts at all, they may be stimulated by something that you may hear from in this show or read something. Or, but the point is that it's hard to create. You know, like, well, I'll make something new up, you know, figure it out. That's pretty hard to do. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it. And it doesn't mean you can't deal with the mental aspect of why you can't. The reason you can't is because you're egotistical. Everybody has some level of egotism, right? Well, it's pretty true. Pretty true. It's hard to have such great humility and hard to live in the physical world, particularly, uh, without uh, having egotism. But you can work on it and leave yourself more open, more open to the very part that is going to be getting the, a big zap. And today, remember, we still, a lot of it comes through the middle world part. So, and you want to be thinking about creative ideas that are highly spiritual to the highest level you can think before the evocation of the festival. So think about, I'll give you some examples. Think about... Um, Earth uh, is a different world, and what would be necessary to change the world, and what could be done by various changes in, let's say, countries, and the way people interact, communication, things that you could promote in your thought and maybe in some of your interactions with others. But it would need to be at the level of making the world into a more creative, godly creative place itself. Not just you becoming that one. Don't think that. That's wrong. But this is about for the whole planet. If you have these kinds of thoughts, and they are very structured, they have concept to them, and they're truly about making people, uh, or helping people, become more spiritual and, and at the highest levels, then you're you're in the right ballpark. 
do that kind of thinking. And I spend almost all my time doing that. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. But um, it, you can do that because if you, this really helps to clear out the worst kinds of egotism, which affect the crown chakra. Now, most egotism is not in the crown chakra because most people don't even come close to thinking it. But it, what the crown chakra has is a, uh, a lack of development in most people rather than uh, truly a huge amount of egotism. When you look at the bands of egotism, they get thicker and worse, more chaotic towards the lower elements of the mental body, and they become stronger and more, I mean, they become uh, less so uh, towards the top where the, the crown chakra is. People just aren't using it. But the atrophy of the chakra is, is pretty bad, and that's what you're trying to do is to increase its strength without increasing its egotism. So you don't want to become more egotistical while you do this, and you want to get rid of any egotism you might have. Uh, if you have a lot of glamour in your astral body, you may have some, some, some significant egotism about the way you think about and what the truth is about metaphysics and spirituality and other things. You can also improve on that by listening to more of some of the shows I've done and reading some of the stuff, because most of that stuff has truth in it. And if you if you read it that way, then it can help you deal with those areas that you may have egotism about in those highest parts of your spiritual life. Okay? Okay, so that gives us some uh, areas to focus on prior, before we actually uh, get to the evocation part of the spiritual festival. All right, the next thing to do, what is the next thing to do? Well, then the next thing to do is to consider the actual, we'll call it, um, uh, hours of evocation in which you're going to be receiving receiving help in your centers, uh, and especially in this case, the first festival in the crown chakra, to develop more creativity afterwards. Okay, So during that time, during that time, uh, you need to be at your peak, and you need to be really, really focused on what it means to be co-creative with God and to seek that so that you can help others to do that. Because remember, that's what it's about. Help others to do it. Don't focus on yourself. Your own center will be taken care of. Let that happen automatically. Don't think about your center. Don't say, oh, well, I'm really trying to think about it. Maybe I can picture that. Don't worry about that. No, no. It's about, again, now you're taking the conglomeration of all the things you thought about how the world could be better, and you're leaving yourself wide open to any part of that becoming accentuated in sense so you have a better way to serve from that hour or two or whatever it's going to be onward. Okay? So you're following that. And then the next two days afterwards, remember this is like a five-day thing? Okay. The next two days afterwards, I would like you to consider doing this. See how you have improved, if you have, uh, for the next two days about what you thought of for the first two days and see if your thinking did improve about co-creating with God. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? And that's the kind of interesting part. You get to see exactly, you get to sense it exactly. Are you less egotistic? Are you more capable? Have you 
actually approve this? You'll know if you follow my instructions on how to do this. That's why I'm making it as simple as I can. I hope it. I hope this sounds simple to you, because I really want it to be. I don't want it to be one of these things that everybody said, "Huh?" Okay. And again, you can re-listen to this. So if you if you say, "Well, I didn't get all that," you can re-listen to it. You know, it's not a problem. And we'll try to get this up as soon as we can. So you can listen to it and say, ah, "I think I've got it now." Okay, let's move on. We're going to run out of time. <laughs> to the next uh, festival, what you need to do for that, because we need to cover that, of course. And it's all part of the show tonight, so let's make sure we can get this done. Now, you notice that I'm talking about this way differently than I have in prior shows, where I use more of the historical stuff and more demystified it, but I didn't. There's no with little science to it, honestly. It was, it was not so structured, and it didn't have the kind of same zinger, I think, to help people. So I'm trying this different approach. And I think I'm more capable of doing this now than I was years ago, because I think the last show I did was several years ago. Okay, so let's let's now go to the second festival. Yeah. And you know, this this one really is about raising consciousness and doing so in a very balanced way. It involves a heart chakra, which is very important. And it's uh, it's about unifying the the solar plexus to the heart chakra at the same time, by the way. And I didn't mention that, but the, the first chakra, you're also doing unification there. Most people don't realize while you're doing the development of the chakra, there's also there's also some some union that takes place, and a, a lot of people are are not that familiar with it. But with that chakra, you tend to unify the the chakra really to the two different parts of the, the mind itself. And it's, there's so much development in the mind. So it's a, it's it's also bringing together the lower and higher minds parts together. Because they gotta go, they got to work together. I mean, if you just have... If you just could think in only concepts with no thought forms, you can never communicate to anybody. <laughs> well, that good. I don't know how you're going to... Now that's going to serve too much. All right, so, so we're talking... Now we're going back to the second... We're talking about the second part, which really has to do with consciousness and teaching, the stuff I'm doing right now. And it is going to be, uh, hopefully, a, a way that um, you can understand God and understand what all the parts of ontolo- ontological and cosmological issues in the universe are about. So it's like everything. It's how, how everything works. It's an understanding. And when with the air chakra, most people, uh, if we deal with the the etheric the part, um, most people have considerable amounts of maya, unfortunately, uh, in that chakra. But not not huge. I mean, it's not you know the highest maya, maya aspect, but there's maya there, and it it joins with the solar plexus chakra to some extent uh, during certain periods. But it is its own chakra as well. I mean, it's its own uh, thing. It is a chakra about God, but it also works somewhat with energy either going from it to the solar plexus or from the solar plexus into it, and it's all about how the directions are moving. The um, And the same could be true, by the way. I did mention this about the Ajna the Center at, at certain points does this with the crown chakra, so that that happens too. But looking at it from the standpoint of the the, solar, the uh, heart chakra alone now, because that's really what's going to get zapped with the evocation, not the solar plexus, hopefully not. Um, 
personal bottom. The purpose here is to help other people to understand God, which means some element of teaching and communicating with them about how better to for them to become teachers, how to for them to help other people to further understand, for them to become uh, both aware and understand all the principles that I talk about in Angel's Wisdom. All of that is part of the second festival. And when a person starts doing that two days before, just like in the first festival, you're focused on the areas that you might have the most difficulty in. There, it tends to be less in the mental body and more in the astral body that people have the greatest level, but that doesn't mean there isn't a considerable amount still of the other two bodies around. But the emphasis is more astral, and the results are that if you have a lot of glamorous desires, as I talked about earlier, then it's going to limit the amount of uh, growth to that center in terms of its awareness and therefore reduction or a minimal amount of improvement in consciousness. And remember, this happens in Taurus, so there's a balancing act, too. You're not only dealing, you're also dealing with with resilience and sacral center. There's issues going on that you're trying to balance out while you're getting flooded with much more energy and much more thought from the evocation issues. So the evocation brings a lot more energy into the center during the times that you meditate. And you see if you can handle that level of energy. Some people find it very difficult. They get overwhelmed. They almost get dizzy. Or some people, I've known people who got dizzy and passed out. So it happened during that particular time. When it does take place like that, what you need to do is then you want to... Uh, you want to back off because you don't want to push it to the point where you're just, oh, I'm really drugged. No, you don't want to get there. What you want to do is you want to get the clarity. Clarity comes from being able to, on your own, create for the first two days uh, a change in energy going through that builds up to the point where you're going to get the flood from the big effect of it. But you you can't you can't test yourself during the first two days. What you can do is you can uh, you can acclimate yourself to it. How do you do that? Well, uh, if if we start as I said with the physical brain, what you need to do is to be able to see how much you can connect of various concepts. In angel's wisdom, how much can you put them together? And the concepts are what is important to what you believe you're going to do in your service. Your service may have absolutely nothing to do with teaching, but it may have a lot to, lot to do with a whole bunch of other things you have to understand. And you try to see how much you can connect concepts together, not create new ones. That's different. That's the first chakra. This is the connection of existing ones. Can you connect more and more together? You can listen to a show like this and see if you can follow the connections. You can read something like that. And the more you can do it, the more you're preparing yourself for the flood of development in this center during the hours of time that you meditate during the festival. Now, of course, that's going to be next month, but still, this is the, this is the time, this is the time to be considering this because you're still going to think about how you're going to work on this. 
And it wouldn't hurt if you wanted to meditate about this sort of same thing. This month you could do it. I wouldn't do it before the festival. Maybe afterwards you could. And so you're trying to focus on this one development of this one center because the increase in uh, thought, which brings an increase in energy, uh, is significant, especially during this festival. You want to be prepared. So if you've done that, if you prepare yourself that way, then when you get to the actual time when the evocation takes place, um, then what you can do is you can uh, more readily accept and the, I will say, develop by adaptation to the increase, which could be substantial, of thought and energy. Uh, you'll know it at the time. Most people can actually, during the second uh, time festival, most people actually feel what's happening. Uh, it's hard to feel during the first, but the second one, almost everybody has something. If they're if they're doing any of this stuff correctly, remember, you know, you gotta have the right motive and all that business. So I'm not gonna go back over that. You already got it. But all that has to be in in, in tune. And then, if it all works out uh, the way it should, then the next two days afterwards, you should understand things much better in terms of connection. You, you will be see a lot more connections of a lot more things in your life that are spiritual. And you'll be able to help others to do the same. That's what that festival is about. Now, hopefully at the same time I'm explaining what to do, you're understanding the festival better. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm open. Hey, I can hope all I want you all right, so, and how many people, now some people call this festival the Waysock. What, what is that about? Well, that's a weird word, <laughs> but a lot of people know what it means, okay. The, the object of, of the Waysock is this overwhelming connection of all people to God. It's the, it's the festival of, of God connections, uh, which is consciousness. Consciousness is the ability to connect them. It's inclusiveness. It's direction of thought. It's all those things together. And so this is what the Waysock does. Now, some people don't like that word or may have never heard it, so I'm not trying to push words on it. But if you like the word, that's nothing wrong with the word. It's fine. Uh, okay, so if, if, if you get to the point where the last two days of this particular festival, uh, you have got the connection part, and you notice it, that's a reinforcement of agent's wisdom. It gives you a clearer sense of everything you want to do and be, and it allows you to improve your motive even further for the next time. So you can see how this whole thing kind of fits together. It's a great idea, actually. Uh, I just wish it was working better these days, but at least it's still there and still available for now, so might as well try it. For our younger listeners, this is a good time to try because who knows how much longer this thing will be available. So give it a try while it's still happening. You know, and uh, most people consider the Waysock the most important of the three festivals because they can sense it more, <laughs> not because it actually is in some way absolutely more important, but but that's generally where the emphasis is. And some people only celebrate it, and some people do not call it the Waysock. It doesn't matter what you call it. Same thing to me. I'm calling anything I want. All right. 
So uh, let's, uh, hopefully that has helped. Remember, it's about connections. The first one's creation. This is connections, okay? Creations, they sound like similar, but they're not the same, right? They, they do fit together. You take creations and put them with connections, and you got thoughts. And if it's enlightened, you got God's thoughts. That's, how, that's what we're aiming for here. All right, so now let's, uh, let's go on to the uh, third uh, of the uh, festivals. And this is sometimes referred as the Festival of Goodwill, by the way. Now, what does that mean, goodwill? So, like, everybody smiles at everybody when they walk by and they, they tip their hats or something. Is that goodwill? Now, goodwill, it means that the, the consistency of your thinking is to do good. And the results of the consistency of the thinking is to interact with others in ways that reduces forces and uh, increases intelligence in, act, in the activity. That's, that's the purpose. That's it. The festival of goodwill is to attempt to achieve that through the beginning of good thought. And good thought, which is consistent, is goodwill. So that's where it comes into. So in the, in the first couple days before this uh, festival, what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, see if your mind, and we'll start with the physical mind and the brain itself, you're trying to get that mind within that brain to be able to be very consistent in the choices of the thought that are being made. So your choices are consistent, and they're always involved with, if it's in this festival, some way of changing, okay, a forceful, inefficient, selfish way of interacting with others into a more intelligent way of interacting with others. And you go through all the people you know, the people you don't know, and you're looking for ways to help those people to do that, as well as doing it with them and for them. So it's kind of like you're an example. At the same time, you're helping them to become that way. And each person is going to have a different set of these. But it always ends with an activity. Remember that. It isn't just a bunch of thinking. I know some people tell me, well, I thought about it all the time. I said, well, did you think about it in terms of activity? Oh, no. What activity are you talking about? And did you ever change any of your activities? Well, if I didn't think about them, I didn't change them, so I don't know what you're talking about. That's the problem with that kind of issue. It's that the festival is about doing things. It's not about just thinking. This is the festival that will affect you for the next nine months of time. And for most people, they don't get it. They don't understand that the Festival of Goodwill means that you have to go and do something, not just well, I certainly have goodwill for everybody and peace on earth too. You know, and so, yeah, that, but it doesn't change anything and you're not in service. Service means activity. Got to be in service. Okay. For the folks that are have had that problem, then make sure during the first two days that you're doing the... Um, we'll say, meditation process, 
you're including in the meditation process pr- perspective, in other words, sometime in the future, uh, activities that you are going to carry out. Motive is critical. Your motive has to be to do, not just to think, and not just to sit around and smile, or meditate, or chant. It's to do. So that has to be part of this uh, beginning meditation, or else the evocation won't work. You won't get anything out of the evocation coming to you while you're invocating during the spiritual festival. And that's the problem. And so this festival tends to bomb more often than not than the other two because it's so strongly dependent upon people taking action and the action is for nine months after. It just keeps going until the next uh, festival, which is in the spring of the next year. So you're into doing and that's the part that's so hard to get people to do. If your intention, if your heart, which you worked on your last festival, uh, isn't into actually carrying out and doing, the festival just doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for you or us or anyone who's not going to do. And you know what your motive is. If your motive is not there, don't kid yourself. I say, well, I thought about it, but I'm not going to do anything. You know, not me. So here again, you get you, you end up the Maya being the most critical part of this particular. Um, you notice how it went mental, and then it goes as being the most important part in the first festival, and then it goes down to astral in the May Soccer second festival, and then finally in the festival of goodwill, it, it's now it's down to the etheric physical, which is where the Maya is, and the physical brain. That's where this festival becomes the most critical to overcome. Why is Maya such a problem? Because it's a high inertia thing. And in order to take action, we we live in the physical world. In order to take action, we've got to do something here in the physical world, not just think about it or feel about it. We've got to do something. And that's where people fall down. Oh, well, I did the meditation. I, I I was uh, fully uh, invo- invoking during the uh, during the time that it was it was happening. You know, and the evocation was coming. It was tremendous, and I I heard about evocation too. I read about it in this book, and I I tried that too. Actually, some people do try that, uh, and and I, I thought maybe I was doing it with some people in Tibet, but I you know, realized Tibet isn't even there. But but anyway, I did it, and you know. Why? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Because no action was taken. And no action was taken because the, the, the thought of taking action, if there wasn't, was not true. It wasn't, it wasn't the actual intention, motive of the person to do it. If the motive isn't there, it ain't going to work. No way, no way. We, 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 we'll never work. Okay. So this this festival turns out to be a bomb most of the time. It just doesn't do much. 
Waysock is the most successful of the festivals, and the other two are almost, you know, afterthoughts to a lot of people. All right, so what, what, let's say, if you're successful in this, what's going to happen is the following. Well, first of all, you'll be less energetic. You'll have more energy that you can use, and you will feel it after, if you get this, thing, this one right. And you will take much more actions in service with others. Both co-service, possibly, people you, you are working with and serving many other people to help them to do the same. Your focus is on the service, and your service will definitely go up, not just during the week, the two days afterwards. You'll notice it then, but hopefully for the next the rest of the year. That's what this is for, is to get get out and do it. And for a lot of people, that's the scary part, is, well, now I'm making a commitment. I don't know if I want to make that kind of commitment. Well, don't do this meditation and don't be part of the spiritual festival if you're not going to make the commitment because it will backfire on you. You've got some negative karma from it. You may, it may hurt the very things you want to help. What good is that? I mean, we're not here to screw things up. If you, I mean, if you really don't, think you can make the commitment, don't do it. This is not like, well, let's have a party. I'll I'll just go for I'll just go for the for the for the fun and drinks, you know? I'm not going for anything else. Heck. Well, don't. Because your presence will adversely affect others. And if everybody's there like that, then you'd be better not to contribute to it. Now, I don't want to be a downer. I know there are folks that are planning parties and they're kind of, I, I got it. I got it. I understand. That's, that's the way some folks see this. If you want to do that, at least try the other as well. Because otherwise, it, I don't know why anyone would even consider it other than what it is. Well, I just get together with some folks and feel good and have fun. Okay, then that's what you do. You don't think that you're participating in a spiritual festival. You're participating in a mundane festival of whatever you want to call it. And I will leave it with that idea because uh, I'm not here to condemn people. I'm here to try to help people do the right thing. And that's why the science of the spiritual festival is a important subject right now. All right, so we've come a long way since the beginning of the show. I hope you're getting a, a pretty good understanding of what this whole thing is about. Uh, I'm not here to lecture in the sense that I'm sending a message to people that you're doing the wrong thing. I'm here to enlighten people and help people to find the right thing. And if you want to do the wrong thing, that's your business. But please consider doing the right thing because the right thing has value. The value is the, the thought and energy that's coming from, well, the, the thought itself is what's coming from the, the spiritual hierarchy. But the energy follows. That which is coming to us is a huge gift. And it's, it's being spent to try to assist particularly spiritual disciples at this time, to do what they came here for as a soul. Our soul is the reason 
we're here. We are a piece of that soul, trying to become more of it while we exist in a world that it can't exist in, and we can barely. Our consciousness and our actions here is the real form of currency for who we are. Everything else is mostly illusion and filled with sorrow and a lack of meaning. The things that these festivals represent are the opposite. They represent a real meaning in life, a real improvement in the world that we exist in, which is one of the most difficult worlds in the entire universe to live in. And I'm not saying that just because I'm here. I'm saying it because I believe it to be factually correct. And we all came here by choice. And these festivals are here to assist us, to help. So I see them as a gift. And a gift that should not be wasted or disregarded or misused. But that doesn't mean that the people who do any of that are necessarily bad people. Everybody here, to some extent, that's a human being, is an illusion to some level. Everyone. By definition, a human being is an illusion. <laughs> I mean, if you aren't an illusion, you aren't human. You're a soul. Okay? So it's our illusions that lead us into these awful places. And part of the science of the spiritual festivals and part of the festivals themselves is to reduce the illusion within us by us participating. So let's go to the last thing that's in the evocation so I can reveal something to you. In the thoughts coming from the next kingdom, the following is represented. During the first festival, part of the evocation thought that I'm allowed to talk talk about, is to, as a gift to us, is to relieve us of some of the consequences of prior karma, this is going to sound strange for a second, of prior karma that we have done, both personally and as a planet and a group and nations, etc., to relieve us of some of the consequences for a very brief time so that we can improve our senses for a very short time, to gain a better understanding and better co-creation and better, hopefully, behavior or interaction, all from each of the festivals. So that's one of the things that it does, and it does so in a very unique way. The spirit sphere and the uh, energy spheres are part of each other. And if they separate, you're normally are dead. Any part of them separates, and you, you, you die from that body. Just one, one center, one major center, kills a person who's in separation. But for a very brief period of time, during the evocation process, there is a slight level of equal separation, equal, not a specific point, but an equal level, that allows for the 
uh, more negative energies to freely move out of the center and for some more enlightened energies to freely come in while the spirit sphere has increased in its spin and is at its highest level for that person, that particular person in that life. Then it goes back together fairly quickly right after the uh, time period of the evocation. And the result is that center is improved. As long as the person then completes the process themselves the next two days and beyond that, takes action in service to keep it that way so that the over time, the, the, the more selfish energies don't come back in, in a sense, reduces back to where it was. And this is done for the crown chakra in the um, first festival and the crown chakra only. Then it's done in the heart chakra, but here's a little, little part you may not be aware of. It's also slightly done, if you did it, this is a good reason to do all three festivals, if you did the first festival, you'll get a little bit more added to the first, or crown chakra, from the first festival. Okay, so you're following me so far? Crown chakra first, separates a little tiny bit, that relieves some of the pressure of karma. Karma is the negative energy, and just think of it as the negative energy. And you get a gift. The gift is, it's called grace, I don't get what you want. And you suddenly have uh, a few days of uh, clarity in your senses, the sense that we're talking about now. So there's more clarity in the, in the crown chakra. You can, the clarity in the crown chakra helps you with information about how to create more, especially, in this case, create more of God, because it's spiritual. And the result is that setter's working better, and if you use it properly by helping others to do that while you use it in your creations as well, the result, spiritual creations, the result is that it remains permanent. Then you go to the second, uh, the second uh, festival. You repeat the concepts that I told you with the specific changes and everything that I've already explained. And the, the center slightly separates. You get the ability to move some of the energy that's more negative out very quickly, like in minutes, and you get more enlightened energy into the center. Plus, simultaneously, the uh, crown chakra, without you having to do anything, you don't have to be thinking or using anything in the crown chakra during that time. Crown chakra gets a little more. It opens, spreads up a little bit more, and it, it responds like sympathetically. And those two centers start to move closer together. And finally, then, on the third, this is the one everybody goofed up, and when you goof up this third one, you don't get any bumps on the other ones. But you get to the third one, okay? Are you with me on this? I hope you're here. Are you with me? Because this is reaching towards the end of the show here, and this is a big part of what I'm going to talk about. Okay. So on the third festival, the energy comes in to the center if you're focused in the ways that I have just described in the show, and it also, and then if for the next couple of days you focus on it and you actually do service, you must do it, even more so than the other two, which you should be doing as well, 
That's what makes them permanent. And the result is that the other two centers get even further boosted as well. If you do all of this correctly, I know it's like a whole thing. You got to say, "Well, what if I get any part wrong?" Well, yeah, so you got it wrong. But I mean, it may it may not be perfect. You may not do it perfectly, but if you do as much as you can, it's better to do it all. And then the result is that all of the three centers, the throat chakra, the uh, heart chakra, and the crown chakra, are now closer together. The crown, the th- thing about the third chakra is it affects all the other chakras as soon as that happens. And it moves out to the chakras of God's attributes of its mind, which are different than its uh, in the aspects of its mind. And then, as it moves out, if you use all the centers in, in service during the next year, this, all the centers keep building up. A little bit, tiny bit at a time, until you come to the next year's festival. Now you see something that's really amazing about how this works. It is not a one-time thing. It's a cumulative, and if you use it properly, it can be amazingly effective. For people who are serving all the time and are doing, doing what they came here for, the festivals don't do much of anything for them. They don't have much negative karma because they're doing spiritual work anyway. But then it'd be good for them to be evoking rather than invoking anything. The invocation is the energy coming in that's more positive and the the expelling of the more negative energy. That more negative energy is you know, it's less uh it, it's it's less divonic, it's less uh developed and the elemental energy that's in there, it it still gravitates, but it gravitates more towards what the divonic energy wants for it, rather than just to gravitate, become more dense, which is not helpful, except to it. It likes kind of likes the feeling of being <laughs> more dense for whatever it needs in its existence. But that isn't what we need. Okay, so this whole process then also uh, beautifies the body. It adds to the chances uh, or, or the development of fusion of the centers and the likelihood of moving ahead in spiritual development. This is how the spiritual festivals work. This process um, has been known for a long time, but most of it has been mystical and hidden. And the problem with that is that you don't have to know everything I just explained to necessarily do the festivals, but... If, if people don't know and they're in the fifth sub-race of the fifth race, they don't do it because their egotism and other reasons that we, we don't operate that way anymore. So we do need to understand. We need to have this different way of functioning within these festivals to keep them alive. If we continue to go, you know, by reading the old books and saying, oh, well, it's just a mystical kind of thing. If those I do these things, everything will be fine. It doesn't work with us because we need more. We need to have the science of it as well as understanding the historical parts. It's all wonderful stuff to read. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that there's almost nothing there that tells you anything about the structure or the concepts of why it works or what it does or anything. It's just like, okay, I'll do it. I'm not sure what it's about, but it sounds like it's interesting. 
Well, that's not where we are. We, human beings today, need to have a lot more, especially younger human beings and older, uh, because that's, we're developing that need, and it's got to be there for us. I hope I'm filling the need right now. I don't know sometimes, but I'm hoping I'm getting there. All right, so let's kind of sum this whole thing up. I'll try to do this. I, I don't usually leave myself enough time to do it, and I didn't tonight either, but I'll do what I can. Okay, so what is what is the science of the spiritual festivals? Well, it's it's a methodology of improving, predominantly at this time, spiritual disciples uh, in their service to each other and to the world. And that improvement comes in three different ways because it focuses on three different senses in three different bodies that give us our awareness. And those senses are the awareness of how to create more of God, how to understand more about God, and how to take those uh, creations and understandings and actually interact with others in co-service in ways that will be effective and efficient and reduce the forces in everyone's life. That's what the festivals are there for. They are, and they're, they were created by two kingdoms, the two kingdoms of the spiritual hierarchy. And uh, the king, first kingdom, is the lower kingdom, is the kingdom of souls. Its, its purpose was to help our soul, <laughs> yeah. And all group souls, souls of human beings and group souls, to develop more effectively and to create more of life, which is God's growth here in this world, and uh, to do it in a way that, again, is as less, least forceful as possible, especially for human life. Uh, force is used in the lower kingdoms because that's evolution, but for us, we're, we're going the opposite direction. We're, we're trying to lead a spiritual life and not a forceful life. Then we'd just be like the animals, and I don't think we came here to do that. And, okay, uh, the festivals have, in addition to their structure of what I just described, the need to follow a plan for each, usually involving five days, two days before the day of and the two days after. And that's of meditation with meditation changing. The first part is to prepare. The second part is to experience or receive a, a great thought, great thoughts coming from the spiritual hierarchy, followed by a lot of energy. And then it's to reflect on what happened, to, to reflect on the experience and to see how well the sense that was worked on is improved. And any other senses, if it's past the first festival, that were also bumped up in each one successfully. Successfully. <laughs> in order to, to, for, for each other. And so that being the case, the total amount of, of, of improvement that can be derived from, festival, from the use of the festivals is dependent upon the motive as well as the execution of the process. If the motive is wrong, the execution will never work. If the motive is right, the execution can still be fouled up, fouled up by inappropriate use of it and bringing the wrong people into it if you're doing it as a group. So you've got to be pay attention to all that because it gets kind of sticky if you bring the wrong folks in because everything else can be right, and then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of people saying, let's party, 
And that's the end of the whole thing. And this is a terrible thing. To, uh, it's a gift. You don't want to waste it. And it's grace as well. It's God's grace coming through the kingdoms above us. And so we should appreciate it with, uh, and have gratitude for the entire situation. And uh, finally, if we're looking at this from the standpoint of uh, the overall purpose, it's to bring about a uh, change in humanity by relieving the karma. The, the next kingdom actually takes on the karma temporarily. It's one way. It's a long, complicated problem. We have to talk about hours about karma, how karma works. But they are actually taking on some of it briefly. While they help us to improve our centers for a short time, which we, if we use it to serve right then and then in the future, the results can be dramatic because in some ways you're relieving yourself of your karma, but you're doing it all through your service, so don't think it's like magic or something. Not. And it's a real science, actually. And the, the, the benefits uh, are tremendous, but unfortunately, as I said earlier, uh, it has not turned out to be what it was supposed to be because humanity has... Um, bastardized the, the entire process to the point where it no, no longer resembles what it was originally. And it is missing most of the components. In the future, this may lead to its its termination, as we know it today, and it may morph into something else based upon what I uh, earlier said. And unfortunately, if that happens, some people may pay some penalties for it because it's, 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 they won't get the benefits anymore. And in other cases, it may be helpful for a different group of people than the spiritual disciples, which might be the better alternative we'll have to see. It's probably not the best way to go, but it may be the only thing we have left to do with this sort of thing. It might be a good idea also to add at the end here that if we can uh, change this to evocation for spiritual disciples who don't need it, and you would know who you are, if you don't need it, you'll have the urge to actually evocate while it's even happening. If that's the case, then do that. Because in my opinion, I think it's okay to evocate or evoke a response. Evocate, I'm not sure that's the word. Uh, yeah, I think it is. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I like making up words. It's okay to do that, provided that you really don't think and don't believe that you need the invocation as much as you do to evoke, to evoke out towards others and to help them uh, through that process and for those who are in need of invocation of this process. It's okay. You will take on, actually, theoretically, you take on some karma. It's a strange thing. But don't worry about that. It will not hurt you. And in every circumstance, when people choose this whole idea, it should be an improvement if they're doing it correctly. It should not hurt. It should not cause a problem. If it does, then go back to everything I said and start over. Or communicate with contact me. We'll figure it out together. If there's a problem, but because I don't know all the ins and outs of everybody's consciousness and everything that could possibly go awry. This is a fairly sophisticated system. And it used to be so regimentated because it was too complicated for disciples to understand. We understand it today. We can understand the science. In the past, they had to go through a ritual because they didn't know what to do. And they couldn't figure it out. If you explain it the way I just did, they go, huh? Today, we can do better. We can understand the science of spiritual festivals rather than just 
the ritual of a spiritual festival, which was the old way. And no longer that mystical old way does it apply to us today. Well, <laughs> yep, that's it. We're out of time. But I hope today's show has really revealed, as well as has helped people, because this is almost a how-to. I know, right? I do that sometimes. And it was also the other thing, science and a little revelation there at the end. And uh, I do believe that we will maybe all do better with this information. And until uh, next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Wildlife Fit.